part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, for our listeners, as you are listening to this episode today, pitchers and catchers are reporting. Is that oh. not the best sentence you've ever heard? That feels so good. Just to uh, to see some actual baseball players out there, uh, you know, in in uniform, you warm. They're not doing much. It's pitchers and catchers, like you said. <laughs> yeah. Especially day one, they are basically doing physicals and just some some uh, some drills around, but nothing real baseball activity wise. But it doesn't matter because it feels great just to know that you are pitchers and catchers have reported. You are inching that much closer to opening day on April first. Yeah, I don't even care. It it means that baseball is coming. It means that the warm weather is coming, and we are so excited. But we can't let that become the reality too much because we are focusing on the NFL today. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense to kind of look forward towards the NFL and mostly towards that offseason and free agency in this episode. Just looking at the other things that are going around, as we said, we want to give baseball a little bit more time. Uh, basketball still ramping up here. Uh, for the the regular season college basketball, we are getting so close to conference tournament time. Um, the New York Islanders are on a seven game point streak, so nothing <laughs> wrong with that. In, in hockey, uh, Pebble Beach just happened for the yeah, pro am. Right. So th- there are some cool things going on, but I think uh, NFL off season primer is a, is a fun way to uh, to jump into it. I think so too. And for all of the the pieces that are about to go down, I want to make sure that we can have our give our two cents about it before they actually happen. But but with that being said. We aren't going to focus on any of the main ticket items, and by that I mean Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, J.J. Watt even. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, yeah. We're, like everything we do on this show, we're going to focus on some of the teams and the players that aren't getting the credit we think they deserve. So we're both going to give an offensive, defensive, and a wild card free agent that we think needs a change of scenery, and then we'll round out our football segment with the teams to watch, the teams that need an upgrade. And then, of course, we'll end with our craziest numbers of the week and a fun best of segment. I'm super excited for this one today. Yeah, this should be a really fun episode. Looking forward to get going. All right, start us off. Let's start offensive free agent. Yeah, I like that. So I'll start on offense and looking at it. It's This position group is so interesting because there are a lot of different options here at wide receiver. However, we'll have to see what names get franchise tagged, which ones get extended. But so going down that list a little bit, I really like the name Corey Davis, the wide receiver from the Tennessee Titans, was the fifth overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft, has never quite lived up to that that full standard, but over the past couple seasons has really turned into a strong receiver in Tennessee. And has been a big part of Ryan Tannehill's progression and what that offense has done, which has been really, really powerful. Uh, He has a really strong catch percentage at over 70% of balls thrown his way. Tannehill's QBR on balls thrown towards him was very high at, I believe, around 100. Yes, over 100 the last two seasons. He's got one of the lowest drop rates in the NFL at 3%. The advanced statistics are on his side. He is a big receiver, uh, and I'd really like to see what he can do. On a team that's a little more pass-happy than Tennessee, that's a little less Mm. scheme-focused where Tannehill, a lot of it's get the ball out quick. He's done a wonderful job there, of course, with the Titans, but I'd like to see him go where the playbook's a little bit more open. And I think a team, while he's not the Kenny Galladay, the Allen Robinson, the Chris Godwin-type receiver that is uh, available this offseason, 
I think whichever team gets Davis is going to get a receiver that still hasn't hit his full potential, but has been on the way up over the past couple seasons. I like that. And it's funny because when I was going through a bunch of the the rankings, this is obviously a very QB heavy, very wide mm-hmm. receiver heavy uh, free agent class. And Davis didn't crack the top 10 in oh. a lot of rankings I saw, which I was surprised by. He almost had a 1,000-yard receiving year, correct? How many yards off was he from 984, 1, so he was yeah, just 16 not, off. Right. So it's funny that he doesn't get the that credit because he was so close. It's because the touchdowns the, aren't there. He only yeah, had five this year, which was a career high for him. He's behind A.J. Brown, who had a slow season anyway. I just see Tennessee honestly being in kind of a tough spot because when they got eliminated by the Ravens just a couple of weeks ago, my immediate thought was they need another deep threat desperately Mm -hmm. and now there's a very good chance uh, Corey Davis isn't going to resign with them so Tennessee's in some trouble and I can see Davis getting paid because I don't even think he's tapped the potential I like that scheme point that you brought up he can go into a team where he could really be utilized by a quarterback who could throw him some deep balls that that catch rate is insane Mm -hmm. he doesn't drop the ball when it's thrown towards him he's a big target I'm excited for his his potential, and I think he will, as you said, bring bring a really solid skill set to whichever team wants to go out there and sign him. So definitely a player to watch. Yeah, I like that. So I'll go. We'll go back and forth with offensive, defensive, wild card. Cool. I thought about shying completely away from quarterbacks because they are the most high pro- high profile position, obviously. But I had to go with this guy because he's so underrated. My offensive free agent to watch is Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I love it. He's 38 years old, 16-year vet, and 2020, he has been this backup, this kind of anomaly, honestly, the fact that he continues to put up numbers, but he really shined in 2020 behind Tua, Mm -hmm. and they really went back and forth, but he went four and three in the seven games that he started for Miami, which I don't think is an accurate representation of what he brought to this franchise. But last season, he posted a career-high in completion rate, which he surpassed this season, and he put up career highs in passing yards per game and passer rating. You might not realize it, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually getting better. I don't think he's going to be a starter anywhere, but when I'm thinking about the Patriots, mm-hmm, when I'm thinking exactly. about, I mean, the Bucks, there are a lot of teams who need the intangibles, who need the leadership. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could be that guy who a either a young guy can learn from or you put him in as just a, pl- a plain backup in case there's an injury and he can go in and, and earn this team some wins. Brian Flores was determining if he was going to go with Tua or Ryan Fitzpatrick in the last game of the season when their playoff hopes were on the line. Yeah, listen, I think if anything, the last couple of years in the NFL and even this past year especially shows that I feel like backup quarterback gets ignored a lot for for teams in the league, but it's really important. I mean, look at it when, you know, with Jared Goff, you had John Walford coming in, you had Dallas invested in Andy Dalton as a backup, which was able to keep their season alive, at least, and having a competent backup player. I throw out my own team in the Giants where Colt McCoy is just not not who you want to have as a backup out there, and he ended up having the biggest win for the Giants of the year in Seattle, which made no sense, but he didn't exactly look like a competent quarterback out there. It's important to bring in a, a backup like him. Uh, for a spot like New England, I think that could be a really interesting uh, just because it gives them you know, kind of that proven arm. Maybe, maybe, maybe they bring in a quarterback in the first round, maybe they don't. I'll tell you a spot that I really like for Fitzpatrick. 
it, it would be Cincinnati. Like, I would mm. love him to go out to the Bengals just to give them a little bit of insurance with Burrow because we know he's coming back from the just the brutal knee injury that, that he suffered this year. I kind of love the idea of not f- rushing Burrow back, not having to force him onto the field, and even if he is there, giving him someone to kind of lean off of to learn from in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it could be a really interesting fit there. Also fun, that would be his ninth team in his career, which would just be all, or excuse me, it would still be his eighth team because he played with the Bengals already, which would be great for him Sorry, to go Pat, back I lost where he was. There. I lost you for a second. What, what? Ninth teams? Yeah, it, I mean, it, that's wild. It actually, I misspoke there because I forgot that he was a Bengal for a, a year <laughs> or two. Uh, played 14 games for them, actually, in 2007, 2008. How could I forget? Uh, so it would actually still be his eighth team, but going back there after over a decade plus away could be a fun story. I don't know if you said this because I lost you for a second. If he went to the Pats, too, then he will have played for every AFC East team. I love that. He has literally been everywhere. Yeah, Everywhere. He, he does it all. Been. And you know what? He's performed in most places. He yeah. he has. He, we know the turnovers can absolutely be a problem. Uh, I think the guy's a little bit insane as well. But you know what? <laughs> That's okay because it can work in the NFL. It's the, it's the intangible stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go off what you just said about the Bengals, actually, because my defensive free agent to watch is a guy who played in Cincinnati last season. And that is defensive edge Carl Lawson. He's a star. I think... This guy is a stud, and he's super underrated because he plays on a team who hasn't competed in years. So the reason why I think the Bengals are actually in an interesting spot is because they need more help on the other side of the ball. Their number one priority is to give Joe Burrow more protection on the offensive line. I Definitely. don't think they should put it, They should be putting any of their efforts, time, or money towards the other side of the ball right now, because even if they get the best offensive line in the league, they're still not competing for the playoffs, <laughs> in my opinion. They're they're two years away. I'm willing to give them that. But they should be focusing on the offensive line, and that means that Carl Lawson isn't going to get re-signed, and he's going to get his money somewhere else. This guy in 2020, he's finally healthy. He had he played more snaps than all three prior seasons combined. 32 quarterback hits. It only translated into five and a half sacks, but only TJ Watt hit the quarterback more times. His numbers are there. He's still only 25 years old. In his rookie season and then in 2020 were really where he showed off what he can do. Injuries, yes, are there. Playing time, it could still be ramped up. But I think Lawson could go play for a team like the Titans or the Ravens who desperately need edge rushers. I mean, look what look what Tampa Bay just did to Patrick Mahomes. Yep. I'm seeing this as such an important position on the field now because if you can get pressure on a quarterback, that helps you win games, and that's what Carl Lawson can do for a team. So I actually think Lawson is going to get a bigger contract than people assume a player like he would, would he get in free agency. Yeah. He's a 26-year-old pass rusher, so going into the prime of his career. Uh, I, the sack numbers the past two years, five and five and a half, doesn't blow you away, but you know he can get to the quarterback. As you said, quarterback hits has been up there, 32 this year, something that I really like when I'm looking at the numbers for him. Only a 5% missed tackle rate, so usually when he gets there, he's able to wrap up. Uh, I just, he's He flashes the athleticism, I've been impressed with Lawson when I've watched him play, and I think that some team out there is going to fall in love with him, say, we're getting a guy going into the prime of his career, let's take a chance on him. Yes, take a chance on him, but still probably pay him a pretty decent amount, but I think he's got a chance to really make an impact as an edge rusher in this league. It's funny, too, because this is another intangible thing, and I'm just coming up with this off the top of my head now. 
But I think there could be something, there's something to be said for a player who has been on a team that hasn't competed in so long. Mm-hmm. And for a team to give him a chance to really compete, that's got to be such an an attitude lifter and a motivation there that Lawson's going to go out there and just work his butt off to get a spot on a team where he can go out and win games. And he hasn't been able to do that in Cincinnati. He hasn't been able to really show off what he can do because Cincinnati is so low on the totem pole. And that's why I think you're right that if he does get the big money, people might be on the surface put off by that. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve it at all. Listen, culture shift is really important. Yeah. We talked about it a week ago with one player and Tom Brady going in there in Tampa Bay and really working and with Bruce Arians as well, of course, and changing that culture and turning them into a winner. Well, the same thing goes for a player going from a losing culture into an already established winning culture. And I think that's something you could look out for with Lawson. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. With a good coach, too. Yeah. No, exactly. Could be could be very interesting. And I will stick in the same division as you here in the AFC North, go with another pass rusher. And my player to watch will be Bud Dupree. And why I think Dupree is so interesting is because I don't really know what to expect in free agency with him because he's coming off a torn ACL that he suffered in December of this season. So how much his value is limited if a team will go further than a year? I think there's some question marks with him. But as a player, I think you have to really like what you've seen out of Dupree. I mean, just the past two seasons alone, He's, he has up 19 and a half sacks, eight sacks this season in 11 games. You're assuming he would have got hit double digits yet again here. I think he's really started to blossom here in Pittsburgh. Yes, that, that scheme is kind of forgiving, complimentary for pass rushers. They're just so blitz happy that it definitely helps out and could pad your numbers a little bit. But I think we've seen with Dupree, again, another guy that has the physical traits, a really fast edge rusher, a really physical edge rusher, has a chance to really impact a game. And I think even with that ACL injury, someone is going to take a chance on him, give him a decent amount of money, and he's got a chance to come in and make an impact right away. I completely agree. So the Steelers are actually the team that I'm going to talk about in in just a few minutes, so this is a perfect preview. The ACL injury automatically gives a team pause. Yep. But players like him, like Bud Dupree, who can get after a quarterback like he can— don't go on the market often. Oh, totally agree. And I, I think actually take think, away the ACL injury. I think he's at the top of this market. I completely agree. And the other funny thing is that if the Steelers weren't in the financial position that they <laughs> are in, he yes. wouldn't be on the market because no. he would be playing on that franchise tag that the Steelers can't even afford right now. 100% so I agree. think tons of teams will be after him. Everybody could use more pressure on the quarterback, like we were just talking about with Lawson. I think he could be... He was a defensive changer for the Steelers this year. He could be a defensive changer for a lot of other teams in the NFL. There are not too many guys that have the potential to rip games open, and that's what you really look for on defense, especially with your edge rushers. Mm -hmm. He's one of them, and he was so important to that Steeler defense. As you said, the situation they've put themselves in cap-wise, they are not going to be able to resign him unless his market just completely dries up and he takes a deal just to have some sort of security coming off the injury. Uh, I don't think, I don't even think it's that dire. I don't think it's going to happen either. So definitely a situation to monitor and a team's got a chance to get a sure impact uh, player on him. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, the numbers don't even like really, really pop off the page. It's just what he, the anchor that he is in this defense and that you could do it for, pretty cheap i mean the franchise tag was only about 15 million anyway Mm -hmm. yeah i I think that's a good pick there for defensive free agent 
nice yeah definitely uh it's got a, got a chance to make a make a big impact somewhere else you go ahead with wild card because i have an interesting one to end off yeah on. no i i like it so i will go with a wild card here in, in a player that you know i it's a player that i really like and i think he's so important to the team that he currently plays for be very interesting to monitor if they do look to bring him back and that's chris carson coming from the seattle seahawks carson has been so important to the seattle offense and how they function for a couple of seasons now the seattle offense started to really dip this season once he got injured as well which i think also plays into how important he is i love carson because he's a tough runner Uh, He doesn't fumble the ball very often. He's a great receiving back. He's battle-tested. And, you know, you're hearing all these things about Russell Wilson possibly being unhappy in Seattle. I cannot imagine he's going to be thrilled if he loses his running back as well. (laughs) Though there certainly is a chance that they don't bring him back, you know, with the because I feel like Seattle's going to have to really dedicate some resources toward upgrading that offensive line, as that's been Wilson's biggest sticking point. And if they go after, say, a Taylor Moton, who I think is going to make a huge impact wherever he goes, um, maybe they don't have the money to bring back Chris Carson. And there are two teams in, in particular that I do really want to target that I think could be just really benefit from having a guy like Chris Carson. The first is the absolute perfect marriage, and that's the Buffalo Bills just yes. lack, lacking oh God, a, yeah. yeah it's it is a perfect perfect marriage just lacking a running back being able to bring in not just a running back but a guy again that's been to the playoffs that gives them an established ground game especially with how they kind of run that air raid offense that gives you an option out of the backfield the perfect marriage is him to buffalo and then sticking in that same division team we were just talking about before miami dolphins i mean mm-hmm. i a, a lot of it you've seen them linked to, to Najee harris and mock drafts they're going to look to bring in a running back here well maybe you don't dedicate that draft capital in the first round to a running back and instead use a little bit of their uh, their cap space go after a back here in chris carson that can really help bolster that offense yeah, you said a lot there. I'm actually thinking now that I should have done my team as the Seahawks because <laughs> as as good as a regular season they had and then the yep. way just they just absolutely combusted in the postseason and even in the last couple weeks of the regular season, Seattle's got some issues. And Russell Wilson is actually stirring the pot a little, which he doesn't usually do. It's surprising to see him do. But I don't think Carson goes back. I really don't think Carson goes back. I think they are so pass happy, like we were just talking about with uh, Corey Davis. They're not willing to pay Carson what he deserves to be paid. The only thing that makes me worried about Chris Carson is his regression this past season. He had an injury. The offense completely changed Mm -hmm. around him, but he ranked 29th among qualified running backs and carries per game less than 12. Yep. So for I would consider him a top-tier running back in the league, whether that would be top 15. I'm willing to put him in that category, but to see that re- regression last season was troubling. Only five rushing touchdowns, too. But to go back to the Bills, too, that's interesting because the Bills are even more pass-happy than Seattle. Yes. <laughs> and to put a high-powered running back in, in Carson, this seems like – who wouldn't want Brian Dayball's job right now? The Bills yeah. offense, especially if they were able to get a big time running back like Carson or other guys in the market or in the draft, the Bills are a sweet place to go. They are. They don't have a ton of cap space. They're right around the cap right now. But if, if they, they are can able afford to, anybody. Exactly. Yeah. If they're able to create a little bit of space, I, I, I would like that fit a lot. Mm, I like that. All right, you're more positive about Carson was because... I had written some stuff down where I was worried about him. I don't think he's going back to the Seahawks, but I think he does 
make a better impact, and maybe he just fits better in an offensive scheme that is more... Utilizes him a little more. Yeah, like respectful mm-hmm. isn't the right word. It's not like Seattle no. disrespected him, but just, just used him more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, sure. Yeah. All right, so I cheated a little bit. My, my wild okay. card isn't a free agent, but it's somebody that I think is going to get moved, and I think his move could really change the landscape of, of the whole market and actually the position. So my guy to watch here is Zach Ertz, the Eagles' tight end. Something – you won't <laughs> – you're not going to get this because you obviously have no background into what I'm going to say. But, Pat, <laughs> can you tell me something that the last five Super Bowl champs have in common? Anything come off the top of your head? No, not in particular. All five of them, and there are two repeats, have an elite tight end. The Bucks and the Pats both had Gronk. Yep. The Chiefs have Kelsey. San Francisco didn't didn't win, but made it to the Super Bowl. Had Kittle. Sure. And Philly had Ertz. Yeah. I think an elite tight end, and there are only a few. There are a couple guys like Darren Waller who are on the fringe. They're getting there, but none are as distinguished as Kelsey, Gronk, Kittle, and Ertz. Don't forget that Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl this year. I cannot even get into that right now. <laughs> Truly, He's... it's an injustice. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just too. It was too easy a time to bring it up. It's true, but there, like, there's a huge drop off between yes. those guys and everybody else. Ertz has one year left on his contract. He had an in- ankle injury last year that led him to ending the season on the IR. Philadelphia had its own plethora of issues anyway, so I don't even really take last year into account in terms mm-hmm. of. Ertz's career, but I I think if Ertz can go to a team that's one move away, and I consider those teams to be the Ravens, the Packers, the Colts, even the Seahawks, if the Seahawks get a good tight end, they have some huge upside. I think Ertz is going to get traded because Philly doesn't have a direction right now, and I think Ertz could put, put a team into Super Bowl contention automatically. Yes, listen, Zach Ertz has been a, a great player for his career and has had such the impact there in, in Philadelphia since coming out of college. The one thing that would scare me is that he, will, as a tight end with all the wear he's had, he will be entering his age 31 season. And that is the one thing that scares me, that he might be on the decline a little You're bit. Right. So I do think it makes... But as you say that, if we're taking it from an Eagles perspective, I think it makes sense to move him. With that, especially where they're sitting there in the draft position at six, I mean, you're going to have Kyle Pitts sitting there, the tight end out mm. of Florida that I'm basically in full on in love with at this point <laughs> as just a prospect that I think is going to, it just, it makes a lot of sense for the Eagles. If they say move Ertz, I don't think you're getting a big draft pick for him at this point. Maybe no, I don't third think so rounder. Like I was going to say best case scenario. Yeah. I was going to say best case, I think is third, but yeah. you can probably get a fourth for him. You know, at least shed some money on that contract and then go young with a guy like Kyle Pitts. I think it makes sense for them. Now, I don't think it's completely fair to discount Ertz. I think possibly a change of scenery could be really good and could rejuvenate him. We know how much of an impact he can have. We know how good of a red zone target he can be for a quarterback. Yes. So I, I, we just saw Rob Gronkowski not have a huge season by any means in his age 31 year, but came up when it mattered for his quarterback. And I think you can kind of see Ertz kind of morph into that role. You hit everything I wanted to say. The only thing I want to say is that I don't think Philly drafts Pitts because they need a wide receiver so much more. And Mm -hmm. as much as I say that 
a, a good tight end could put a team over the edge. Oh my God, the Eagles need to draft either Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. Whoever is available, they need a wide receiver like you read about. But I was, I was going to say exactly what you said. We didn't expect Gronk to be much of an entity at all. We nope. thought it was a PR move when he yeah. went to Tampa Bay. Ertz isn't the blocking entity that Gronk is, but he's a good receiver. He catches a lot of balls. He's a red zone target. He's good on the line if he goes to a team that has a nice running back, get the, mm-hmm. the run game moving along. I'm just I'm curious to see how that market shapes out for him because I could see Ertz being an impact player. Yeah, it just it depends. I think like what you said, he's got to go to a contender. You yeah. know, a team. I, I I would say the Rams, but I just don't think they have the money to bring on that type of deal uh, anymore. But just a team like that, you know, that that's looking to add a playmaker, a guy that can have some reliable hands, especially a red zone target. It it's plausible, and I think it can. It could certainly happen. Yeah, I mean, I had Tyler Higby in fantasy this year, and. He, con- he disappointed me every single week. And yeah. <laughs> I think the Rams are so much higher on him than they need to be. But at this point in Ertz's career, he's not going to a rebuilding team. No. Or a team that's not going to make the playoffs. He's going he's gonna to produce for a team right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see if this was, if 2020 was a sign of Ertz on the decline mm. or if this was just a down year for the tight end. That's the perfect way to sum it up. I like yeah. that. I yeah. like that. All right, so let's move. That was that was the players that we think need a change of scenery. These are the teams that are an interesting spot because they either need an upgrade or they're wondering what their direction is. I have a team that's in a little bit of both, a little bit of purgatory here. Yeah, I'd say so. So I'm going to talk about the Steelers. Two noteworthy things to bring up first. Their tight end, Vance McDonald, and their center, Marquise Pouncey, both announced retirement. Marquise Pouncey is the bigger name here, but Vance McDonald is interesting because McDonald and Pouncey were Ben Roethlisberger's probably best friends on the team. That's coming from mm-hmm. me. I don't obviously don't have any insider dirt on that, but Roethlisberger and Pouncey for sure Pouncey, had, yes. Huge had said they'd said in the past that they'll play as long as the other plays. So with Pouncey retiring, it certainly brings into question whether Ben is going to retire with him. So those are the two ana- the retirement news I wanted to talk about. The other big thing is that they have a new offensive coordinator in Matt Canada, who was the former Steelers quarterbacks coach who got promoted. So they'll have a new offensive system. I don't think that means Roethlisberger is going to retire. So to preface all of this, I think Big Ben should stay for one more year. The reason I think that is because... <laughs> Here I go, Pat. <laughs> I think... Pittsburgh has a one-year window in the AFC North to compete. One year. That's it. After this upcoming season, I think the Steelers are done. Because I think for sure after that, Roethlisberger will retire. The Browns are there already. The Ravens are pretty much there. I think the Bengals are two or three years away. And that's after Roethlisberger retires again. Mm -hmm. This should be the last year that the Steelers really compete in the AFC North. To do that, they absolutely need a running back. I'm done with James Conner. He's a great story. He's a good locker room presence. He is not a good running back. They need to strengthen their offensive line. Those should be the two priorities. If they sign J.J. Watt, that's great. I think he's too expensive. I think they keep Big Ben for another year because they'll restructure his contract, and I think they make a run. After that, they're done. 
They have a... I could give you a laundry list of potential free agents that they won't be able to re-sign, most notably mm-hmm. Bud Dupree. But I Juju think Smith this... Juju Smith-Schuster on there as well. Juju, I mean, Villanueva, I'll just say a fun fact for Juju. The Steelers have given second contracts to two wide receivers in their franchise history. Can you name them, Pat? I definitely not. Uh, is, is Heinz Ward one of them? No, but that is actually a good guess. I would have put him on the list. Antoine Santanio Holmes and Antonio Brown. <sighs> the two wide receivers in Steelers myself. history. Isn't that crazy? I that couldn't believe that. I don't think Juju is even close to making that Not list. even Lynn Swan? This goes back no. that far? Wow. Yeah. So I think Juju's out. I think Bud Dupree is out. And then the other main guy who I am curious about is offensive tackle uh Alejandro Villanueva Mm -hmm. he's 32 but he's a young 32 he had a down year in 2020 in terms of how many times he let defensive edges pressure Big Ben that was obviously a huge storyline for the Steelers they have enough replacements that I think they can part with Villanueva but there are going to be a lot of changes to the Steeler team I think they still need to try and go all in for one more year before the window really closes yeah, so I agree with you that I think this is it for the Steelers, that they've basically got another season or so where they're really up towards the top in contention. What scares me with this Steelers team was how bad they looked down the stretch. They're going to lose players because they can't afford to, to bring them back. And the problem is, I, I don't know if they can make any improvements. There, You talk about purgatory kind of for teams. The Steelers are in salary cap hell. They're $30 million over it right now. It's brutal. Yeah, I, They are going to need to find a way to, as you're saying, like restructuring Big Ben's contract from, you know, possible cap casualties and restructures just to be able to bring any sort of substantial new blood into this franchise. And I think that is very scary for a Steelers team that looked <laughs> very bad down the stretch yeah, you're right. here. And in a way, I think it kind of locks them in where... I think there's talent on this team. I like Mike Tomlin. I think he's done a wonderful job there over the years. You know, we, we can talk about being too conservative, which he absolutely was uh, in, in the postseason. But that's nitpicky, though. In the yeah, exactly. Defense. No, he's yeah. a great coach. Yeah. Um, I'm just afraid that they don't have the resources around them to be able to upgrade this roster in a way that, like you said, the Browns are on the way up. I mean, are we really going to bet against the Ravens? As you said, with with the Bengals, I think they're at least another season away, meaning this year and another season before they're competing for it in such a tough division. I think the Steelers, as you said, it's getting the band back together or as much of the band as they physically can back together and running it back again because I just don't see the maneuverability maneuverability to be able to bring in other guys. Yeah. The thing is, they're, they're so strapped because they do have the talent. Look how mm-hmm. well drafting Chase Claypool turned out. He was unbelievable exactly. this season. Deontay Johnson emerged as a top receiver. Um. Listen, you're still going to have T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick that's, on that, that defense. Like, that defense was unbelievable. Thank you. I completely lost my train of thought. You're good. <laughs> they draft 24th overall. I would love to see Najee Harris drafted there. I don't know if that if fits. I don't know if that fits into their scheme because the other thing that's interesting, they don't have a plan after Roethlisberger. Their depth chart right now consists of Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and Josh Dobbs, and I am 100% sure 
that the average and maybe even above average NFL fan doesn't know who Josh Dobbs is. Former Tennessee have, quarterback. They don't they don't know what their direction is. That was a no. crazy call there. I didn't expect you would know that at all. Oh, I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> but that but that's what I mean. Like where are they going to go? I don't think they're thinking that far ahead right now. I think they're thinking, "All right, Let's do it one more year, see what we can do, see if we can catch lightning in a bottle and win mm-hmm. 11 straight games like we did last year with the talent that we have and see. But mm-hmm. you are completely right in that the offensive line is right now getting worse. Yeah, I think you've seen some regression with this team. As you said, there are still going to be playmakers on it, especially on that defense. You know, Big Ben, for what he is, there are a bunch of ups and downs for the season. There were ups, to be fair. I've crushed him. I feel like I've justifiably crushed him over some episodes that I I think he's just done. But I I don't think the Steelers, unless he retires... I mean, and even if he retires, that doesn't get rid of the contract. No, who else are you going to go after? Exactly. Like, there's not really a cheap type quarterback mm-hmm. to bring in this year unless they were able to like sam darnold's going into the last year of his contract or into year four of his contract but the amount of assets you'd have to give up for that <sighs> that's kind of how i feel too i've but, also been i have been hold, as a steelers fan i've been holding at hope a little bit that they're still going to be linked to jj watt but the the realistic part of my brain is thinking if they have to restructure Big Ben's contract in this way, how are they going to afford J.J. Watt? Yeah, they can. And why bring him on <laughs> if their future is so murky? Like, yeah, it's great that the brothers would be together, and yeah, it would be great to have the best defense in the league, but we already know that defenses on its own don't win championships. The offense needs to do something, too. And the last thing I want to say, and you brought you put this into my head, is the sacrifice worth it? is building the offensive scheme around a quarterback who has to release the ball within three seconds because mm-hmm. he can't get hit, is that worth it for a team who has a lot of young talent? I don't know. I don't know, but I also don't know what the future looks like. I don't know what the better plan is for Pittsburgh right now. One of the most, if not the most perplexing team going into this next season because I can yeah. see the Steelers you know, being right up there and, and winning an AFC North title and i could see the steelers completely crashing and burning it is i feel like there's a lot of volatility with how this team finishes next year and wasn't that how it was last year too i mean nobody (laughs) expected to play as well as they did in the beginning and nobody expected them to lose to cincinnati and washington in the last five weeks of the season yeah no it's very it's very head scratching and i'm i'm curious to see what they do because again they're they're putting all their eggs in the basket of a 39-year-old who might not have a lot left in the tank. They're going to need to get creative if they want to upgrade, and and that's going to be really interesting. And creativity is a nice segue into my team uh, that I want to look at because it's a team that doesn't really need to get as creative because they're sitting there with the second most cap space in the league at $70 million, and that would be the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I've talked about the Colts a couple episodes ago and how much I love that base that the Colts have set. And I really do. I think they have found a bunch of talent around young talent, offense and defense. Uh, just looking at the offense there, you got Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman as potential playmakers there on offense. Defense is led by Darius Leonard. They brought in DeForest Buckner. There's just some, some solid talent around these really important positions for the Colts. Notice what I didn't say. And that was a quarterback. And that is something that they yep. do not have. Phillip Rivers did retire. Now, and it was a one-year contract as well. So that contract completely off the books of the $25 million really helped give them this cap space here. What do they do at quarterback, though? I mean, is there an option that you... 
I can <laughs> we said we're not going to talk about the the top quarterback option so I'm not going to really say it quickly I cannot see any way that Dak Prescott does not end up in Dallas so I, I don't even think that that's you know tenable no. I, I, think I thought to, you were going to say that Dak was going to go to Indy, and I was no. I was taken aback. <laughs> no way. He, there's no chance that he leaves Dallas. That's Zero in my too. mind. Yeah. I feel like the Colts have to be in on the trade market here. And uh, just a guy that I'll spotlight, I think could be very interesting, is Jimmy Garoppolo. And I can see that mm. as, a, as being moved. Has it really... Uh, obviously, you saw how far they can get there with between him and Shanahan getting to the Super Bowl a year ago, but you also saw it fizzle out in the Super Bowl. Obviously not a great year this year, obviously also hampered by injuries. I think it could be an in- intriguing marriage if you put him with Frank Reich, someone who I think is one of the better coaches in the league. I really like that option there at quarterback. You're also saying that the Colts have a ton of money to spend wide receiver. I talked about Corey Davis. That mm. seems like a fit for them because while I like Michael Pittman, I'm not sure if he's a number one. You know, They have Paris Campbell as well, another guy that can make some plays for them. Uh, but I'd like to see them bring in a more top receiver. Allen Robinson would be perfect, but I Robinson's either going to get tagged by the Bears or I think go somewhere else. Um, I just I love this Colts team. I think that they've put together some really solid numbers over the past couple of years since Wright came in. Uh, Ten and six, seven and nine, but the seven and nine was the year with the surprise retirement from Andrew Luck. Oh, yeah. uh, Eleven and five this year. If you're looking at team stats from them, I mean, you're seeing a team that's towards the top in a bunch of different categories. You know, eighth in points per game, uh, ninth in points per play. Defensively, they had the best rush defense in the entire league last year. Uh, they have one of the best turnover margins in all of the league. This is a very solid team. This is a team that has its core in place, and this is a team with a ton of money to spend. They need a quarterback, and then they can try to find some upgrades, probably in the secondary, possibly at offensive line with Anthony Costanzo retiring. Maybe they move Quentin Nelson from guard out to tackle. That's been talked about a little bit. I find the Colts so intriguing because I feel like they are so close to being one of the top contenders in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I I could go in a hundred different directions here. The first is that I think Jonathan Taylor is the most promising young running back in the league. I think Stun. he... It, I think he is a stud of this team, like Derrick Henry Len- Henry level in the next few years, except different body types, obviously. <laughs> the second is that I think it's hard to talk about Indy without talking about the big QBs on this market because Indianapolis is the most attractive spot. I and it's because so. of Frank Reich. It's because of their defense. It's because of Pittman Jr. and Taylor. And it's because they're one step away. And I think we were all very surprised by how much of a fight the Colts put up versus the Bills in that first round, right? Like, nobody expected them to be that close, especially with Rivers. My next thing is, how many years ago did Andrew Luck retire? Uh, Two. Okay, that is surprising, because I thought it was more than that. Yeah, right. But it seems like their plan since Luck retired has been giving the one-year deals to quarterbacks and a vet like Rivers... To figure yeah, Jacoby out, Brissett before yeah, that. Yeah, figure out where they are, figure out where the rest of the team is, and now might be the time where they feel like they have the necessary players in place where they can invest in a long-term quarterback and go out and win a title or maybe more. Go on. I, I like Jimmy G option. I like Watson, except I don't think that would be in division. Right? Yeah, 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 I can never I don't, see that I don't happening. think that could happen. Um Wentz has been tied there. Matt Ryan, possibly. Matt Ryan, Arthur Trubisky, Blank's probably I've not going to get moved. Yep. Yeah, there, there are a lot of moving parts, and it's because of everything you said. 
about how how attractive Indianapolis is. And also, that division is up for grabs. There's something to be said. We were talking about this with um, the head coaching vacancies and that carousel. And, of course, you want to go to the Chargers to coach Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. But with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, that's the AFC West, correct? Yes. I'm not sure I would want to go to the AFC West if I have to get <laughs> over Mahomes and Reid. The the Colts division, you got the Colts, the Texans, the Titans, and the Jags. That's that part right? of why I think it. Yes, that's why I think it's so yeah. interesting because I look at it, Jacksonville. You're gonna love Trevor Lawrence, but I couple can't, years. I can't stand the Urban Meyer hire. I think that's uh. gonna be a disaster down there. I just it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, you're seeing the turmoil that's going on in Houston right now, and if Deshaun Watson pushes out, they could definitely be in trouble. Tennessee, I like. I think they've got a building block in place, but do you look at Tennessee as an immovable object? No. I don't. So I, I think this Colts team, the division, helps set them up for why they're so interesting as well. I think that's exactly. a really good point from you. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's a place where you could really go in and create the immu- the immovable object, like you just said. I like that. Yeah. I, I the Colts are high profile right now, but for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I agree. So the, you kind of got the Steelers there that are strapped. But we'll have to see if they can make any improvements, and the Colts have a ton of money, and we'll see if they can then take advantage of that and try to yeah. make some improvements. We're So we're doing this now, and literally the first week of the NFL offseason before any moves can even happen. I think we're going to go through an absolute slog. I think the Stafford-Goff <laughs> trade went through. I don't think Watson's moving. I really don't think he I is. I think Wentz is going to take forever. I think Jimmy G's staying. I think it's going to be so much slower and less exciting than we think it is, which is a shame because there are so many interesting pieces out there right now. Yeah, especially in the trade market. The free agency should move. Well, you know what? Free agency, usually it moves fast, but this year, you know, with the cap actually getting smaller, you know, who knows what happens with free agency this year. So maybe it won't move as fast as normal. So yeah, I could definitely see things slowing down a bit. Yeah, Watt's the other big one too. Yes. And you never know. There could be another... Russell Wilson, you never know what's going to come up. Aaron Rodgers, maybe. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of question marks for sure. For sure. For sure. All right, where are you moving for your number? My number, oh, this is fun. My number is one. Hmm. And what that would be happens to go to the world of the NBA where Sadiq Bey became oh my gosh, I knew the, it. the first rookie in NBA history to make at least seven three-pointers in a game without a miss. And in that game, he had a 30-point performance, which was a career high, 7 of 7 from beyond the arc, 12 rebounds, which was a career high, and eventually was named Player of the Week in the Eastern Conference. Villanova represents Sadiq Bey. He fell to 19, and I don't understand why. Mm. That's I don't a perfect get way it. to put it, right? What else do yeah. you have to say I, besides that? What, like, it makes me... Just- Go no, ahead. just like what? What more do you need to see? Like, wh- what has Jalen yeah. Brunson not shown you? What has Josh Hart not shown you? Dante Divincenzo was the one that I thought was overdrafted and has turned into a really good player. You're what right. has Eric Pascal not shown you? What has Kyle Lowry not shown? You? I don't get it at this point. There, there is no excuse of the Jay Wright doesn't develop the talent anymore. You're just blind if you're not yeah. seeing it. What's coming out of Villanova at this point? And Sadiq Bay, I felt like might have been the most ready made of all of them. Mm. Mikael Bridges as well. How could I not mention him and the fantastic? job he's doing in phoenix 
and he slips, it just, it blew my mind on draft night, and I'm so thrilled to see him have a performance like that, and knowing that he can turn into that type of player. It makes me so happy to see Sadiq Bey doing well, and didn't Josh Hart just become the first person, yes. he had 17 rebounds, I can't remember 20. exactly 20.17 rebound yeah, performance, yeah. I believe. That was another guard. crazy one, yeah. Yep. It's, I remember being disappointed, A, that Bay dropped so low, and B, that he went to De- Detroit, because they're mm-hmm. so far away from contending, and I think Bay deserves to be on a contending team. But with Rose gone, with Griffin on his way out, the Pistons can get some young talent. They have Killian Hayes on the roster who's been hurt, but they have some potential to get some really good guys going. And at this point, it's giving kids like Bay minutes. That's what matters. And then you see him producing results like that. I was blown away that I saw that. Couldn't believe it. All of the three-point field goal attempts and percentage and misses – all of that went into this at the NBA level, at the college level. Everything he did went into this, and it's so cool to see. And I really like what you said because every single Villanova player this year, actually, has overperformed. This is Josh Hart's probably best year. This is Mikhail Bridges' best year. Dante DiVincenzo's best year. Kyle Lowry plays well every year. But yeah. Villanova is making its way in the NBA right now. No, the the one that's missed has been Amari Spellman, and I think it was oh, yeah. pretty pretty clear though that he came out too early. Yeah, that he still was a little raw and needed some more time before before coming out. But I it just I apologize for going off on the Villanova <laughs> rants. Uh, but it, it just, needed to be done. It, it sometimes it needs to be said that these guys like how proud it is as a Villanova alum to see them develop. Uh, and to have Bay then go out there and have that type of performance, that type of week was just fantastic to see. Who's your favorite Villanova player to watch in the NBA? Well, my favorite player of all time from Villanova is Jalen Brunson. Okay. So I, okay. I adore Brunson. He's my all-time favorite Villanovan. I, I, Mikel Bridges, I think, in the league has been incredible to watch, just those those long arms, the 3 and D. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no one uh, surpasses Jalen for me. What about you? Bridges is my favorite. Yeah. And I yeah. think him being on Phoenix is my favorite – player team such combo. a fun team yeah, such a fun Booker team. and Paul and what he's able to do I mean the steals numbers are there the shooting has really came along it's fun to see him as confident as he in as he is right now and to see him playing along some of the best players in the league is is so cool I love watching Bridges play yeah me yeah. too all right so I'm going to baseball and I'm going to something that's near and dear to me mm-hmm. my favorite Red Sox player Andrew Benintendi was traded last week he was part of a Three-team trade that, of course, included the Mets because what aren't the Mets involved in this offseason? Can you hear actually the really liked it for the Mets in my voice? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're right. Actually, New York came out very well, but I'll just I'll preface it a little bit first, and then I'll say my number. So the Red Sox get Frenchy Cardero from the Royals, John Winkowski from the Mets, who came mm-hmm. through the Stephen Mats trade with trade. the Blue Jays. Yep, thank you. And then three players to be named later. Two from the Royals, one from the Mets. They haven't been named yet. The Royals get Benintendi and Cash from the Red Sox. And New York gets a Royals prospect, Khalil Lee. Yes. So my immediate reaction was this is going to be a mistake. Hmm. And the reason I think that is because I have Andrew Benintendi's batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, and OPS+. plus. From 2017, 18, 19, and 20. From when he was a rookie in 2017. And if it hadn't been for Aaron Judge, he would have run away with the AL Rookie of the Year award. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> so, his the Rookie of the Year season, he, he batted 271. 
290 the year after that. That was when the Red Sox won the World Series. Uh, 2019, 266. And then 2020, he batted 103. He was 4 for 39 in 2020, Pat. And that was mostly because he had a season-ending rib injury in August. It turns out after, we're, we're finding out even weeks ago, that he potentially broke multiple ribs. It turns out it was much more serious than it was. But sure. he, the 2020 season was completely lost for Benny. The biggest reason why I think this was a mistake for the Red Sox to deal Benny is because his market value will never be as low as it was. Yep. That's the first thing, and that's what's frustrating as a fan. The second thing, and this is what my number will be about. It took me a while to get to it. But um, I think it was a mistake for the Red Sox to trade Benintendi away the year that Alex Cora came back as manager. Sure. So I just gave you some of those numbers for Benintendi. I also have numbers from Rafael Devers and Janie Martinez here. I'm going to talk about OPS plus, and my number my is favorites. 51 plus seven. So just as a, a refresher here, OPS plus, it takes a player's on-base percentage and their slugging, and it normalizes it across the league and takes in external factors like ballparks. 100 is the league average. The average difference in OPS between Ben Benintendi, Rafael Devers, and J.D. Martinez from the 2019 to 2020 season was 51.7. Wow. That's how much, on average, that all three of those players dipped in OPS. I, That is mind-blowing to me. I'll give you the actual numbers. Benny was from 100 to 27 in OPS+. Plus. Devers was 133 to 110. That was the lowest. And Martinez was 140 to 81 so those factors it's that it was a 2020 shortened season obviously amid the covid pandemic amidst different traveling different opponents all that it was that alex cora wasn't there as manager it was that the video um i don't even know what you would call it like your privileges to video were taken away because of the sign ceiling scandal and somebody like jd martinez as a dh relies on that But everybody on the Red Sox struggled in 2020. The Red Sox sold away Benintendi too early. And I think everyone will be proven wrong, or I'll be right, and I'll prove everyone else wrong, when Benintendi goes to Kansas City and has a career year this year. Yeah, I listen, I'll stay consistent with it. And if I discount 2020 for others, I'm going to do it for Benintendi too. I mean, looking at, as you said, he had 52 plate appearances and we're going to, you know, discount everything he did even in 2019, which was a down year. He still finished as at least a league average outfielder, but someone that you know has the potential to turn into a well above average league outfielder. That's exactly what I mean. I just, I have a hard time with this move for for Boston's perspective, just because, as you said, I think they should have at least given it one more year. If you want to move on from him after this year, go for it. I get it. You still can get out from under him before you would have to pay him, become, and he becomes a free agent in 2023. But to move on from him this far out, you know, with two years of team control, and it's not like they got an unbelievable haul back. Now, it's not totally fair to be able to 
say that yet because we don't know the players to be named later. Right. So kind of until we have to wait for that to get a complete picture. But, you know, you don't know if that's going to turn into any sort of top prospect by any means. Just to look at it from Kansas City side, I absolutely love what they're doing here. <laughs> exactly. They've, actually, they've yeah. actually gone out and spent some money this offseason. And to make a trade like this, you know, a creative deal where they go and call the Boston Red Sox and tell them to basically mm-hmm. trade away money to them. That's a really weird spot for the game that you, you know, you're thinking that all these smaller market teams are going to get absolutely crushed this offseason with, with COVID and the retractions and in salary and all things like that. I think that's awesome for Kansas City and honestly shows a little bit of health for the game of baseball as a whole. That's a good but, point, yeah. Oof, this is Boston really, and I believe it was the, a year to the day, right, after they made the Mookie Betts trade that this went through as well? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, um, man, chip Chim Bloom is is definitely not in Boston to make friends. No. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is that I think actually when you look back over the Red Sox offseason as a whole, it wasn't as horrible as I thought it was going to be. I think they've be. made some nice moves. I do. Yeah. I, I mean, really, I mean, Kansas City probably, most likely, will not have a winning record this upcoming season. And they just mm-hmm. went out and got Carlos Santana, Andrew Benintendi. Didn't they sign Mike Miner? They did to a decent yeah. money deal as well. So the, interesting for them, they still have Whit Merrifield and um, Alberto Mondesi is their good infielder. So Mondesi, yeah, Mondesi. Sorry, no, but um, I just I couldn't believe the number that I said that difference in OPS between the three best hitters in the Red Sox. I didn't include Xander Bogarts on purpose because he was the only good player on this Red Sox team. <laughs> But yeah. everybody on the Red Sox regressed, and it's not like you're thinking about trading Rafael Devers. Yes, he's better than Benintendi, but still a cornerstone of that franchise is that needed one more year back with his manager. And it surprised he won't me. get it. I mean, it, it surprised me, and that was the biggest thing that it came down to. I, I was yeah. not expecting for them to give up on him like that. Yeah, well, it hurts, but I'll I'll get my vindication when he plays <laughs> well, so I'll be fine. Lighten it up in KC. Yeah. All right, are you ready for best of? I'm excited for this one. Yes, yeah, let's run through it a little quickly because we are getting up there on time, but I think this should be a really fun best of, as Emma suggested. We do best of for favorite and least favorite, the Office character. Okay, so I'll go first. Yep. My favorite, and it's obvious and boring, but it's Jim, because you don't really have a picture of what the perfect man is until you watch Jim Hopper. Pal- <laughs> like, I don't have any problem saying that. Um, if I had to say favorite Office episode, it's Niagara Part 2, Jim and Pam's Wedding. My least oh, nice. favorite, my least favorite, that Niagara is the one that I watch if I'm ever just, when it was on Netflix, if I was ever just bored scrolling through, that's the episode I would watch. My least favorite is Creed. And it's really? because... It's because I was just never really amused by his role. I really don't think he added anything. There were some annoying characters. Like, I think Kevin is just kind of annoying. I think Meredith was a little bit annoying. Jan was annoying. But Creed, I just never felt the need for him, ever. Really? I liked Creed. I uh, I like, because it, as you said, no, it didn't add much. Absolutely not. But was right. it completely random and did it make me laugh just because yeah. it made no sense at times? Yeah, it did. But no, I, I, under- <laughs> I understand your viewpoint. Right before cool. you go. So yeah. Pam and Angela in real life, Jenna Fisher, and I can't remember Angela's real name. I think her first name is actually still Angela. They host a podcast called Office Ladies and they go through and talk about each episode with That's pretty sweet. I didn't know that. Behind the scene details and all that. 
And they say all the time, they're so good, they're so funny together, that there was so much about Creed that was cut by the editors <laughs> and the producers. So we didn't even get the full story of what he could have been. But even still, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine I, with I get it. Creed. <laughs> I loved Creed, but I, I definitely understand. Uh, so my favorite character was Dwight. Uh, I love Dwight. I love everything mm-hmm. about how awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> of a character he is, uh, how dedicated he was, and how psychotic he was. I thought it made yeah. a lot of episodes very fun, especially with your favorite character and Jim. I thought yeah. how the two played off each other was just fantastic uh, and made it really, really entertaining. And then kind of similar to your point, just a character that I don't think added much was just Phyllis. I mean... Oh, come on, Phyllis? I don't... It's just... What, I, I don't see the point. Like, cool. <laughs> that's harsh cool (laughs) well i told you i didn't have strong feelings against anyone anyway but if i had to pick a character where it's like if you just removed the character and it didn't change my thinking of the show at all if you remove phyllis it would not have moved me like liked it more or disliked it (laughs) i thoroughly disagree but i'm i can't really i can't really give you much evidence as to why that's but i just i feel strongly about it her and stanley were fun you needed uh, yes, the, I love the Stanley. older woman presence. Think about how male heavy it would have been if Phyllis wasn't there. That's too. true. No, yeah. that's true. She uh, had a couple of funny parts, but no, you're right. She wasn't. She wasn't major, major, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's so. That's funny. So we both disagreed with our least favorites. Yeah. I really like Creed, and you really like Phyllis. <laughs> Please let us know what you think because I am a huge. The Office and Friends are my favorite. I can quote both of them, pretty much on hand. So please let us know what you think and what your favorite and least favorite office characters are so we can debate it and I can prove you all wrong. I love it. My favorite's Modern Family. Just Okay, that was so good too. Oh yeah, my gosh. That, that one, Do you that still is my watch it? Sitcom. Well, now it's on Peacock and I haven't seen it in oh. a couple of years. I I think that I may start uh, start it up again just to uh, to remember it because man, yeah. I love that show. I was a huge fan for the first couple of years when everybody was watching it on TV. Yep. And then it, it dwindled a little bit, but they they were really funny too. Yeah, when when we went to school, I didn't keep up with it. Yeah. Um, so I'd really like to see those kind of seasons on. Uh, but yeah, Modern Family is my definitely my favorite ever sitcom. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Pat and I always say that we're gonna have shorter episodes, and look at us now, almost an hour. <laughs> That's what we do. We like to expand on our thoughts. We do. It, uh, it just happens. But <laughs> no, that that should have been a fun one in NFL offseason primer. We got in some good stats and some fun best of talk. But that will do it for our show. Make sure to subscribe to it on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating as well so we can see what you guys are thinking. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DidYouHearPod. Let us know what you think. Definitely let us know about your office thoughts because we would love to hear that. Uh, Check out the Blue Wire Hustle uh, podcast. Uh, All the different podcasts on this network. Bunch of different things you can dip your toes in. Uh, And we should be back at it on Saturday, uh, as long as everything goes to plan after a Villanova-UConn game. So, Emma, that's a wrap.